to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. He's the director of Jihad Watch. Go to jihadwatch.org. It's Robert Spencer. Robert, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, Joe. I want to start uh, backward and then and then work our way to to what everybody wants to know. But I just want to start with a question that probably should be at the end. Can there now, since this terrorist attack by Hamas, by what would be Palestine, can there now ever be a two-state solution, do you think, in the Middle East? There's no way. There couldn't before this, and there certainly can't now. A Palestinian state would not bring peace. It would just be another base for more jihad attacks against Israel. We were promised that Gaza, the withdrawal from Gaza by Israel in 2005, would bring peace. It didn't. Gaza just became a jihad base. A Palestinian state would have exactly the same situation. I talked to Carolyn Glick yesterday, who is in Jerusalem. She's a talk show host. She's also a strategist. Used to work with Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister. Um, and, and she said that people are bred to hate Jews. When you have a graduation from kindergarten, which I think is stupid, but when you have a graduation from kindergarten, instead of having like balloons and, and crowns and high fives and pictures, they celebrate by, by doing a play where they kill Jewish people. So these people are bred to hate the Jews, to hate the so-called Zionists. They're behind every tree. They're behind every rock. So if you've got a, a group of people, two million people, right next door, that are born and bred to kill you, how, how do you solve that? Because you can't, look, I'm not suggesting you kill everybody, all two million, but something has to change a mindset where you're born to hate. Joe, you have to, uh, we have to remember that these are religious concepts, that they're not just born to hate because they're hateful people. They might actually be lovely people here and there somewhere among them. The fact is, though, that this is a religious war. The idea that the the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees that you mentioned just now and that the trees will call out, oh, Muslim, there's a Jew hiding behind me, come and kill him. That's actually an Islamic tradition that's in Islamic teaching. The idea that you should hate the Jews comes is deeply embedded within the Islamic religion where the Quran, the holy book of Islam, calls the Jews the worst enemies of the Muslims. And so there's no negotiating with that. There's no coexistence with that. The only thing you can do is work from the Islamic principles themselves, which say that you don't wage jihad when the enemy has more than twice your strength and you have no hope of winning. They have to have no hope of winning by the overwhelming strength of the Israeli authorities, and then they won't fight. His book is called Empire of God, How the Byzantines Saved uh, Civilization. It's uh, open for pre-order now on Amazon. Uh, go there. It's actually released on, on the 21st of next month. It's Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. So what you just said is something I had not heard before, that there's a concept that if the enemy has twice your strength, you don't attack them. Therefore, I can now make the, the, the assumption that Hamas didn't do this alone, that Hamas had to have had what they believed to be at least equal strength with Israel before ever doing this on October 7th. Is that true? They had Iran. They had Hezbollah. They got Syria in the background. They have plenty of enemies of Israel all around that make them think they actually have the advantage. But above all, it's Iran, which bankrolled the whole thing, probably with the $6 billion they got from old Joe Biden. And... Iran, they have been making genocidal threats against Israel for decades. This is just part of their proxy war against Israel. Jihad Watch uh, Director Robert Spencer. It's all very interesting to me, Robert, because we've talked about this over the years. And it's been too long. I've got to have you on more often, by the way. But we've talked about this through the years. Sunni Muslims hate Shia Muslims. They're enemies. They, they killed each other for eight years between Iraq and Iran. Iran is Shia, Saudi Arabia is Sunni, Hamas is Sunni, Hezbollah is Shia. 
Why are they friends today? There's an old Arabic saying that translates to my brother against my brother, but both of us against our cousin. Sunnis and Shia hate each other, as you noted, but they hate the infidels more. And so Sunni Shiite Iran is happy to ally with Sunni Hamas and bankroll Sunni Hamas against the Jews who are, as I noted, the worst enemies of the Muslims, according to the Quran. Jews have been around for three or four thousand years, depends on who you talk to. Islam has been around since 600 A.D. Why the hate? Why, why, why those people? Muslims uh, don't necessarily hate Christians, although you can smite somebody at the neck if they're an infidel, so on. But they allege that they believe that Jesus Christ was a prophet. They don't hate me as much as they would hate somebody who's Jewish. Why? Well, it actually goes back to the same Islamic teaching. I've mentioned now a couple times that the Quran says the Jews are the worst enemies of the Muslims. The full passage says that the, the, the greatest in enmity toward the Muslims you will find to be the Jews and the polytheists, and the closest in friendship to the Muslims you'll find to be the Christians. And we see that Muslims actually do take these passages seriously. They act upon them. There are many people who are ex-Muslims who talk about moving from a Muslim country into Europe or America, and they meet a Jew for the first time, and they think, wow, you know, I thought this guy was going to have horns or be breathing fire or something, be some subhuman beast, because this is the kind of conditioning they get from the Islamic traditions themselves. It's so odd. Uh, can you give me a history of that uh, geographical area? And by the way, Robert Spencer, go to jihadwatch.org. Go and follow him on all the social media. We follow each other on, on X and get his book. It's called Empire of God, How the Byzantines Saved Civilization. I want to get into that in a second. But geographically speaking, you've got people, even yesterday, Barack Obama, with his stupid post over on X, was talking about how this was the Palestinians' land, this was the Arabs' land, and in ancient times, the Jews had some claim. The guy really... I mean, it just really bothered me. I had to write sort of a, a quick essay on that on X in response to what he wrote. But but why is it that, that people try to dismiss the geographical and historical um, significance of that being the promised land and that being Israel in and of itself? Why is it that so many believe, I think is a better question, that the Arabs literally owned that land and some place called Palestine owned it and the Jews stole it? Why is that? Well, they've been thoroughly propagandized with these falsehoods. The fact is there was never a Palestinian state. I'd like Barack Obama to tell us who was the last prime minister of this free independent state of Palestine. There never was one. There was never an Arab Muslim state of Palestine. And it's absolutely false that there was. And it's also false that there's any occupied land. But we hear constantly that Israel's an occupier, that there's occupied territory. Nobody ever asks, well, exactly who does own that land? Robert, it's apartheid. Haven't you heard? It's apartheid. It's exactly yeah, yeah. the same as South Africa. They make these false equivalencies. Do they do that to get to, to the, the newest generation emotionally? Why yeah. do they make these false equivalencies? Because they know that people don't know the history. And so they can depend on their ignorance and fill them with these falsehoods that make them angry and indignant and think that Israel is a terrible criminal that has to be brought to heel. There's no apartheid in Israel. Arab, Arabs have full equal rights. There is no occupation. There were not even any Palestinians until the 1960s. They were invented by the KGB and Yasser Arafat as a rhetorical tool. The people there are Arabs who were no different linguistically, culturally, religiously from the Arabs of Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. It is uh, Robert Spencer, jihadwatch.org. Get his book. You can pre-order it now. It's called Empire of God, How the Byzantines Saved Civilization. You, you just went to where I was going to go next. Can you tell me why Egypt, 
Lebanon and Jordan don't want these people? Literally, in the 1970s, Egypt told Israel, you take Gaza, we don't want it. And and now they don't want, uh, you just had the king of Jordan the other day, Abdullah, come out and say, we're not taking one refugee, neither is our friend Egypt. Why is that? Because they understand the Palestinians are jihadis. Not all of them, obviously, but a great many. And they're likely a wage jihad against the Sisi government in Egypt, which is not fully implementing Islamic law, and King Abdullah in Jordan, who is not fully implementing Islamic law. And the idea is you have to wage jihad against those who are not implementing Islamic law. So that's not just Israel, although Israel is the foremost enemy. If you bring a lot of Palestinians into Egypt and Jordan, you're going to find a lot of things blowing up there, and they don't want that either. Do you have a, an idea or an opinion as to how this happened? We know that we've got a great um, uh, intelligence service here in the United States, one that is rivaled by the intelligence in Israel. I had Mike Rogers on, who's a former FBI agent. He's a former U.S. representative running for Senate now out of Michigan. He said that the Israelis and the IDF got very lax and lazy because they believed that the Palestinians wanted peace. He says that they backed away from the border. They stopped monitoring it as closely. They stopped worrying about it because the Palestinians would say to their faces, we love you, peace loving, we're all going to get along. And then all of a sudden, 1,400 people are murdered. This was a very effective psyop. And Ali Baraka, who is a leading, leading figure in Hamas, went on Russia Today, the Russian television channel, the day after the attacks, October 8th, and he boasted about how they had fooled the Israelis and said, we're just interested in governing Gaza, we're not interested in destroying Israel, and so on. And the Israelis bought it. They should not have bought it, but part of that is the general willful ignorance all over the non-Muslim world about the jihad imperative within Islam and how seriously they take it in Hamas and in other organizations like that. Can you separate the Palestinian people from Hamas? And here's why I ask. People in this country, even people in our own House of Representatives that you know, are flying the Palestinian flag and they're pretending that Hamas, the terrorist organization, is somehow separate from the individuals, although those people voted for Hamas to be their government. That's so are they one and the same or can you separate them? It's total fiction that you can separate them. It's 70% of the people voted for Hamas to be the rulers in Gaza. There was just a poll that showed that 57% of the people still favor Hamas in Gaza. And the other groups that they favor, if they don't like Hamas, are even worse. And so uh, you're not going to find a lot of moderate Jeffersonian Democrats in Gaza. It just doesn't exist. It's a fiction in the West. How is it that, that a place of 2.2 million people can get a rally of 100,000 in New York or 100,000 in, in London or, or in Sydney? How is it that they're having such broad support globally when you and I both know that what you just said is above reproach? These are bad people that want to kill an entire um, race or religion of people. It's all about Islam. And so the, the protesters in these countries, they believe that the Palestinian jihadis are their Muslim brothers. They favor the Palestinian jihad. And so they go out and demonstrate. And then witless leftists, because they've allied with Islamic groups in the West, they go out and demonstrate along with them. And what's behind it all, though, is the jihad imperative. Drive them out from where they drove you out. The Israelis didn't really drive out the Palestinians. It's right. a myth. But they say that. And on that basis... They get everybody stirred up, and it's a divine imperative to destroy Israel. Director of Jihad Watch, go to jihadwatch.org. It's Robert Spencer. His book is called Empire of Gold, How the Byzantines Saved Civilization. We'll get into that in a second. Is Hezbollah and, and Hamas, are they here? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In the United States? 
Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, we just had the FBI warning about that, but that's just covering themselves because they have not been on this case. They've been too busy looking for white supremacists, so-called. Meanwhile, there have been 659 people on the terror watch list apprehended at the southern border in the last year. That's just the ones they caught. And that means there are other guys who are outright jihad terrorists who crossed over with no problem. Also, since 2021, the numbers are staggering. 30,000 Turkish nationals caught at the border. Turkey was a hotbed of ISIS. So at least some of those 30,000 are jihadis, and they strolled in. They were, Once again, we don't know how many got through without getting caught. 6,000 Pakistanis were caught, uh, Afghans rather, uh, Iranians, Pakistanis, all kinds of people from jihadi hotspots. I'm, th- I'm sure we're going to be hearing from them eventually. Well, I would imagine you've got a bunch of military-age men coming across the border, and a lot of them are from North Africa, a lot of them are from the Middle East, and you're absolutely right, and nobody seems to care in Washington, D.C. It's Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Um, just one more question on this entire thing that's going on right now. You, ha- I want a solution. I'm a nice person. I'm a rational person. I'm a peace-loving person. I want a solution. What is the solution? The only thing you can do is have Israel take Gaza back? Because, as you said, they can't coexist. They were offered a two-party, uh, a two-state solution many times, and every single time they turned it down. Even Yasser Arafat was offered 97% in the 1990s. He said no. What is the solution? You have to have peace eventually. Well, there's no full solution as long as they're believers in jihad. But the Arabs should take the Palestinians back, not Israel. And let the Arab Palestinians settle among their fellow Arabs in Jordan and Egypt and Syria and Lebanon. And well, historically, what would it be? Would it be Egypt? Historically, it would be. But who owned that land? I know that it was the British Empire, the Ottoman Empire, but whose was it in the Arab world? Did anybody own it? In the Arab world, that's way back. You're talking they owned it in the 12th century. Okay. You know? gotcha. So it's none of the modern states. The, well, if, if we were to do a DNA on somebody who's a Palestinian, would we find that they're that they Egyptian? Yeah, they're very likely Egyptian, or they're brought over the Ottomans, actually, to counter the Zionist settlement in the 19th century, brought Arabs from all over the area. And so most of the Palestinians, they claim to be the indigenous people. They're really Egyptians, Syrians, various others. It is uh, Robert Spencer, jihadwatch.org. Uh, our Judeo-Christian society, Western civilization, is the best ever in history I should know. I, I live it. So do you. Uh, what does this have to do with the Byzantines? Fill me in. Well, we owe every we owe so much and people don't know of our civilization to the Byzantines. One of the things that we owe them is our very existence, because the Byzantine Empire, as I show in the book, it stood between Islam and Europe for 800 years. And if it hadn't been there, Europe would have been conquered and Islamized. We would not be having this discussion right now. Wow. I mean, it's, it's that dire. Without the Byzantines, this would have been over. What's interesting about this, and this may not have anything to do with it. I'm not a historian. That's why I'm going to present this. People who talk about the crusade act as if the Christians showed up and killed all the Muslims. What they don't talk about is the Christians were actually responding to the first crusade, which was done by Islam. Did, did I get that wrong? I thought I learned that from you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 450 years of unanswered jihad attacks had rolled up what had been half of the Christian world before there was ever a crusade. Well, were they the Byzantines that stopped it? The Byzantines stopped it, but the Byzantines and the Crusaders, they were not all that happy with each other either. Really? Part of the problem that the Western Europeans and the Eastern Europeans, the split goes back very far. I show all this in the book, and that's one of the reasons for the weakness of the West even to this day.
So our, our ability to live freely in a Judeo-Christian society based on the Ten Commandments and the Magna Carta and so on, this all goes back to the Byzantines? If it had not been for the Byzantines, if they had not been there, then the jihadis would have overrun Europe. How long, how long ago were you talking about? Well, the Byzantine Empire fell in 1453, so Europe probably would have been gone and uh, completely Islamized by 1,000 at least. You had them beat wow. France in 732, beaten on the other side, beaten back, held back until 1453. And so you've got, if you have the total Islamization of Europe, people don't realize there would have been no Western art, no Western music, no Western architecture. The whole world would be completely different. Without the technology, did they live like us 700 years ago? Yeah, to a tremendous degree. Uh, really? Yeah, and they faced a lot of the same threats that we are facing still. And it's still going on. It's crazy. It's Robert Spencer, jihadwatch.org. Go and pre-order his book right now on Amazon. It's called Empire of God, How the Byzantines Saved Civilization. I can't wait to read it. And Robert, come back again very soon, would you? Absolutely, Joe. Call me anytime. I appreciate you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. I appreciate uh, Robert Spencer coming on from Jihad Watch. Gives us a great look at history, historical and geographical information that you might not get anywhere else. Is this a pop culture? Yep. What's happening, Polo? Talk to me. So do you remember back when the pandemic happened, there were um, some celebrities that put out like that Imagine song and then they really yes. got a lot of flack for it? Yes. So I'm not, I don't know if this is going to turn out the same way, but I don't know if you'd seen this either, but I guess there were several hundred Hollywood figures that signed an open letter to Biden on Israel. No. Yeah, basically saying like, no hostage can be left behind. And they were like praising him for all the stuff that he's already done. I mean, they don't realize nobody listened to him the first time. They had to do something else. Yeah. Hi, right, Polo. Thanks, man. That's Sam. That's Polo. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow night. This is the Joe Pegg Show.